Welcome to the Business of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Karen White. If you're a creator or a community maker looking to expand your influence, increase revenue, profit, and productivity, you're in the right place. Join me every Tuesday to learn strategies to elevate your career as a professional influencer. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. Now let's get started. If you're a self-managed influencer, it can be difficult to prioritise all of the tasks of your creative efforts with the business side of your career. It may be that you're self-managed because you're just starting out as an influencer and only just beginning to build your career in the influencer marketing space. Or you may not have met the threshold for agency management as we discussed in our last episode, Are You Ready for a Talent Manager? Perhaps you're somewhere in between. You may be using a combination of influencer marketplaces and self-management as you're progressing through your career. Regardless of where you're at, there's some specific tasks you should focus on to ensure that you're balancing building the business side of your business of influence while creating that fabulous content your audience loves. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at 10 tactics to set yourself up for success as a self-managed influencer. In fact, I think there might even be 11 with a bonus tactic at the end. Starting off with number one, And that's your brand definition. You need to clearly define your niche and your audience. Understanding your niche is important because it's the specific topic or area that you focus on when you're creating your content. It could be anything from vegan cooking, sustainable fashion, tech reviews, mindfulness practices. It could even be local travel. It doesn't matter what it is, but understand and define your niche. That will help you build your brand. Having a niche can make you more appealing to certain brands or advertisers looking to tap into your audience and send them right into the heartland of their consumer. Now, having a niche doesn't mean that you can't talk about other things, but it assists to build your brand and your identity as being known for something rather than a generalist. So think about what your niche is and build that as your brand definition. Once you've chosen or established your niche, you need to understand who your audience is. Are they millennials, say, interested in sustainable living? Are they parents looking for educational resources for their kids? Are they time poor professionals that are looking for quick cooking recipes? Understand who your audience is. And to learn about who your audience is, use the platform analytics. Each platform has really rich analytics and insights to help you learn demographic information about your audience. And that will include things like your audience's age, location, gender and online behaviours. This is important for a number of reasons, A, because you'll know who you're creating your content for, but later when we speak about pitching to brands and creating your media kit, you'll be able to clearly articulate who your audience is and the brand will better understand the benefit of working with you. And as you work and build your audience, it's great to interact with your audience 
to find out what their preferences are for your content. How do they want you to share your knowledge and expertise across your platforms? And there's lots of ways that you can do that just simply by creating content and asking. And there's lots of other mechanics within the platforms that you can use. So it could be polls, stories, reels. Any way that you create content is a mechanism for you to survey your audience. So ask them, what do they want more of? What do they want less of? You might have a newsletter and you might be asking for feedback through your newsletter. So touch base with your audience regularly and say, hey, do you need a little bit more of this or a little bit less of that? Continuing on with your brand definition Having a consistent brand voice and an aesthetic across the platforms can be really powerful. Your brand voice is the tone and style that you use to communicate with your audience. Are you funny and quirky, professional and informative, warm and inspirational, a little bit sweary, a little bit edgy? What is your tone of voice? Having a clear tone of voice and a consistent tone of voice, once again, lets brands know what to expect and what your audience know to expect when they're engaging with you. They're going to connect more deeply if they recognize your tone of voice and can resonate with that. There's no right or wrong tone of voice to use other than to say it needs to be natural to you. And your tone of voice should be consistent or reasonably consistent across your content whether it's the visual content that you're creating so from your visual content such as your video content through to your captions your blog post and your email newsletters it makes you recognizable and reliable for your audience as we've just said in the previous point Your audience will know what to expect from you and they will be able to resonate with the communication style that you have and once again, brands will be familiar with what to expect when they're working with you. The final point in creating your brand or defining your brand is having somewhat of an aesthetic cohesiveness. And that is some sort of consistency to the visual theme of your content. So some influencers might use a particular color palette or a font uh, for overlays on their videos or reels or static content. These elements can make your brand really easily identifiable. The consistent aesthetic doesn't mean that every post needs to look the same, but there should be a nice flow and feel when someone browses your content. And tools like Canva make maintaining or even establishing visual consistency really easy. Even if you're using the free version of Canva, there's lots of tools in there that you can use to create that really beautiful aesthetic cohesiveness to your content. So when your audience looks at your content, they know that that is your brand look and feel. So brand definition is about understanding your unique space and point of difference and that your voice and your content reflects your uniqueness. If you look at our channel, you'll see that there is real cohesiveness to the imagery that we use. Um, It has a kind of neon aesthetic to it and we try to use first-person imagery in our photos and as you start to look through you'll see that that theme is certainly there. So once you're establishing your brand definition it not only helps you stand out but it should assist you to attract the right brands and audience into your channel. Number two tactic is content strategy. Plan your content calendars in advance. 
If you plan in advance, it helps you maintain consistency and ensures regular content rollouts, which helps in audience retention and growth. It also allows for better time management and can reduce that horrible, stressful feeling of having to push out last minute content creation. When you're planning your content, it is going to vary somewhat depending on what your primary platform is and what your priority platform is. For example, my podcast content is planned out months in advance. That's my primary platform at the moment because from my podcast comes the blog content and then my third most important channels are my social channels. So social channels aren't a primary channel for me. They are important. So my content strategy varies a little bit. For the purpose of the content strategy discussion today, I'm going to focus on content creation as though you are a social media influencer and the approach that you can use for that. So consider important dates and holidays and events when you're planning content. One of the easy ways to do this, now you can use this digitally or pen and paper or iPad and paper, whatever method works best for you. Take a blank calendar for the month. So it could be the month of October and you can map out any key dates in October. Now, October, you have Halloween, right? There's a lot of great content that you can create around Halloween and it doesn't matter what niche you're in creating makeup looks, food looks, home decor, decorations, party planning for kids. It's a really great holiday. So regardless of your niche, you're going to be able to create some really good content. And you're going to want to plan that in advance because it's a sort of holiday that can take effort. So anchor in any big key dates that you know that you want to have content rolling out for. And then around that, create other Uh, slots or allocate other days for different content. So it might be whatever your content pillars are, they might be tutorials, Q&A sessions, reviews, you might have call to action in there to ask people to subscribe to your newsletter or buy a product that you're selling. So mix up your content calendar across the month to hit all the elements of your content mix. Don't forget to factor in any dates you have for collaborations or sponsored content, that's really important too. Now, there's some great tools and resources that can help you with your planning. I mentioned earlier, if you're a pen and paper or an iPad and paper type person, easy, print out a calendar. There's heaps of free ones online. You can just download and print or download as a PDF into your iPad, scribble over that. Otherwise, there's digital tools like Trello and Asana, and they can be really useful for planning and managing content. I've used Trello for probably six or seven years now, and I find it really robust. I can plan out my whole content calendar in there, attach all the assets that are created, So when I go back year on year, for instance, if you're doing a piece of Halloween content, you can quickly search what did you do last year? What can you reuse? What do you need to create? So digital recording of your assets is really useful because it makes year on year work easier. And use the scheduling tools that are built into most of the platforms to automate your post releases. So if you're using a content creator on Instagram or Facebook, you can use the Meta Business Suite to publish or to schedule out all your content. So it publishes on a particular date or even Instagram and Facebook as the standalone platforms have scheduling tools. So you can go in load up your content, hit the date that you want it to go live, set and forget. And then, of course, there's third-party platform tools like Later, Sprout Social, Buffer, if you're wanting to look at a paid third-party platform. 
The jury's out somewhat on whether the paid platforms do affect reach, and that's a discussion for a different day. However, what I would say is that consistency is the priority. So if your audience know that you're going to publish Mondays, Tuesdays, Fridays and Saturdays, try and stick to your schedule. It's great. You know, your audience will grow to know the days that you publish. And if you use tools like planning and scheduling, you can remain consistent to your content calendar. Continuing on the content strategy tactic, it is important to produce quality content over just a large volume of content. We know that high quality visual content and audio content can really significantly improve audience engagement and show your professionalism, potentially bringing in more premium brand sponsorships. So investing in quality equipment is important, but also it needs to be prioritised to suit your budget. So budget wisely, start with the essentials and then gradually upgrade as your platform grows. Uh, For video content, a good DSLR or mirrorless camera, a tripod and maybe some basic lighting equipment will get you started. For your audio content, a good quality microphone and sound editing software for podcasters or videocasters. Image content, a camera with a good lens or the latest smartphone has high quality cameras. Then you can use editing software if you're going to go to the next level, so Adobe Photoshop or Lightroom. Even Canva has some incredible editing features now. So I use Canva as my first point of call because I don't do a lot of video editing, but follow Canva on whatever channel that you're on because there's constantly tips and resources being shared and they do offer such a big range of editing features within the platform now. Also, our friends over at Bambi Media have some great gear recommendations. I'll link their website in the show notes below, and they're really helpful too in terms of helping you get on the right track. So that's not a sponsored like I've just used that resource a lot when I'm looking for microphones or cameras or video equipment. I use the Bambi Media page to guide me in making good decisions there. So there's lots of software and apps that you can use, whether it's free or paid. Have a look around, find something that suits your skill level and as your audience grows and your income grows, you can look at scaling up your equipment to make sure that you're producing the best quality possible. And of course, everyone likes the ideal of being able to outsource that as well. So of course, that's the next step as you grow your platform. Finally, in the content strategy, remember to analyze your engagement metrics and feedback from your audience. All the platforms provide the analytics in there. We've spoken about that already. And by looking at your analytics, you can get some insight as to what sort of content is resonating to get the most engagement. So the most likes, shares, comments on your content. Metrics like your watch time on video, click-through rates and audience retention can also provide insights to your content performance. Engage with your audience, their comments, their direct messages or responses to polls or surveys can be gold mines for feedback. Based on the insights that you're observing and gathering, you can then tweak your content strategy. If a particular type of video is getting more engagement, produce more of that type of video. If a particular posting time results in higher views, 
adjust your posting schedule accordingly. And if you're using a tool like Meta Business Suite, Meta will actually recommend best posting times for you. So a lot of the platforms will go in and give you recommendations to best engage with your audience. So use the engagement metrics that are available to you to really adapt and evolve your content. We'll finish up on content there and we're going to move into tactic number three and that's your media kit creation and maintenance. A media kit is really your resume as an influencer. It's designed to showcase your work, your reach, your engagement metrics and past collaborations. When you're designing your media kit, make sure that it is aesthetically pleasing and aligns with your brand look and feel. So that brand definition that we spoke about at the top of the episode, align your media kit to your brand. So it might be colors or fonts or styles. Use high quality images and graphics. Once again, tools like Canva can help you to design a professional looking media kit. There are essential components that you need to include in your media kit and they are a bio, which is a brief introduction about yourself and your content niche, some statistics, things like follower count, average engagement rate, demographics of your audience, so that age, gender, location. And if you've got a website or blog that's performing well or reasonably well, add in your website traffic as well. If you have been engaged by brands previously and you've got some brand collaborations that you can showcase, put in your previous brand partnerships, campaigns or sponsored content. Ask the brands that you've worked with for testimonials. So any positive feedback or quotes from brands that you've worked with can really help bolster your credibility. Include your contact information. Really set out clearly how brands can get in touch with you. And also include your location. There's no point pitching to a brand that is potentially in a different country to you if your demographic, if your audience isn't there. And a lot of brands like localised content, although social media is broad and isn't necessarily defined by geographical boundaries, it's a good idea to still have your location. So it could be just the city and the state. It's not enough simply to create a media kit. You need to maintain it as well. Keep the stats in your media kit current. Update them at least every quarter or update them if you've gone viral or, or something really exciting's happened. You might have had a premium brand partnership that you can add into your media kit or a, you spoke on a panel or you attended a premiere. You've got some new photos to include. Update your media kit regularly. No brand or agency wants to receive a media kit that hasn't been updated for months. The space moves too quickly. We want to see current information when we're assessing talent for a campaign. And you need to make your media kit accessible. Have a downloadable version on your website or via a link in your bio. You might be surprised to hear that I haven't mentioned adding in your pricing to the media kit. And my view on that is it's a hard no. And the reason for that is that until you have received and read a brief, you cannot accurately price your fee for a campaign. To learn more about accurately reviewing a brief and pricing your campaign, 
go back to the beginning and listen to episodes one through, I think it's about four, and that'll step you through all those tactics. Your media kit should excite the brand and make them want to get in touch with you and ask you about your rates. And you can start engaging in dialogue with the brand about saying, hey, that's great. I'd love to work with you. What did you have in mind so I can prepare some pricing for you? Don't ever offer a generic fee unless you really have to or unless you're at the very, very, very beginning of your career. Once you're establishing yourself in the space, you are going to want to be more strategic with your pricing, which is why I recommend you do not include pricing in your media kit. On to number four, which is communication skills. First impressions matter, right? So when you're reaching out to brands or potential collaborators, your initial communication serves as their first impression of you. Now, you can keep your authentic tone of voice, your brand tone of voice, but still you need to have clear professional communication because this will set a positive tone for potential partnerships. How do you set yourself up for clear communication? Have an email address that a brand or collaborator can contact you on. If you are using Gmail or similar, make sure your email address is professional and represents your brand. Pretty Kitty at Gmail might be great if you have a cat or a makeup channel, but not ideal if you're a nutritionist or a food creator. Or that email address, Gmail address that you've been using since you're in high school may not convey the level of professionalism that brands will want to see from you. Use professional greetings avoid slang or really casual language and make sure your communication is free from typos or grammatical errors. Look, we can all overlook the odd typo. Everyone makes them, but make an effort. If the rest of your email is structured well, then a typo will simply be a typo and it won't be taken as being you're lazy and you're not putting effort into this communication. So you don't need to be really stiff and formal. You simply need to be professional. Your emails or messages should have a concise subject line, an introduction that really quickly conveys the purpose of the email. The main content of your email should be pretty well organised. Avoid long paragraphs or really complicated sentences. No one wants that. Where everyone is time poor, make your message clear and direct. Are you proposing a collaboration? Are you seeking sponsorship for an event? Something else? What is it? Make it clear in the email subject line, then in the body of your email. Tailor your outreach that is specific to the brand or the individual that you're getting in touch with. Show that you've done a little bit of research and show that you understand the brand's values because this is going to set you apart from the generic pictures that hit every brand and agency's inbox every single day. There's nothing worse than a dodgy cut and paste job that looks like you've sent the same generic email to a whole bunch of agencies or brands and not taking the time to curate the content specific to the brand. Finish off your message with a clear call to action. What do you want to happen next? Do you want the brand to respond to your email? Do you want them to phone you? What is it that you want from this communication? Are you looking for an introduction? 
finish with a clear call to action and always, always show professional etiquette when following up communications. Respond in a timely manner to inquiries and opportunities. Quick responses convey professionalism and show that you value the opportunity or the relationship. Brands really, really appreciate prompt communication because they will be generally on very tight timelines to turn around the talent for a campaign. So you getting back to them quickly helps them make a decision and progress that opportunity with you or move on to the next creator. Effective communication skills are vital. It's more than just about conveying information. It's about building trust and showing that you're professional and that you're interested in building a meaningful relationship. You may have the best audience and the best engagement, but you need to be able to back this up by showing brands and potential collaborators that you're professional and easy to work with. So communication skills are vital. Tactic number five and tactic number six, I often refer to as the unsexy side of business. When we're creators or in business, often we want to do the front end things of our business. And as influencers and content creators, that's usually creating content. We don't want to be buried with the back end management of our business. But it's really important that you are managing this if you want to seriously build your career as a professional influencer. So the unsexy stuff has to be done. I would say it is as important as the front end that is your content creation. So let's have a look at two unsexy topics. Here we go. Tactic number five, we're going to talk about money the financial management side of your business. Hopefully, as an influencer, you are going to need to send out invoices to brands for work that you've done with them on a collaboration. Professional invoices make sure that you get paid on time and also leave a positive impression. Invoicing platforms can simplify the invoicing process and platforms have ways for you to track payments, set up potentially recurring invoices, add some more sophisticated branding and some other payment options. If you are not producing a volume of invoices, then you can simply set up a professional invoice using something like Word or Excel. Listen into episode five, getting paid on time for your influencer campaign for everything that you need to know about setting yourself up to create professional invoices for your clients and getting paid on time. So we're going to move quickly through this because we've already done quite a comprehensive episode on invoicing. I would still like to talk about budgeting and Due to the sort of sporadic nature of influencer income, budgeting becomes quite important. It makes sure that you can cover your expenses during times that you're not doing paid brand work and your expenses might be quite low as an entry-level influencer. You might be paying small recurring software payments. For example, you might be using a scheduling tool You might be paying for an invoicing tool. You might be paying for website hosting or website themes. It's likely that you're going to be having some expenses. You're also going to need to potentially buy props and materials to create your content. So if you're a makeup influencer and you're not being gifted product, you're out there buying makeup or you're buying fashion or you're buying ingredients for your recipes. Having a budget will help you allocate your money more effectively, monitor your spending habits and set you up with some financial goals. So set a basic budget if you can to start 
leaning into your financial management. It's going to become increasingly important as you build success as a professional influencer. In that budget, you need to be able to track your expenses as well because when it comes to tax time, having clear records helps you understand how much you've earned or how much you've lost in your content creation pathway and you'll need to have your expenses and your income tracked to properly prepare your tax return. You might also have to set aside money for income tax and it's important to understand too that in some countries gifted product is taxable. So I'm based in Australia and if you are gifted product, say you're gifted a thousand dollar holiday, you need to pay tax on the value of that holiday. So even though it didn't cost you anything, you're physically going to have to pay out tax on the value of that holiday, which is why it's important that you also think about is gifted product worth it? So you need to, in that whole budgeting income and expenses tracking, be able to set aside money for taxes that might become due and payable in the next year. The best way to set yourself up for success there is to consult with a proper professional. So an accountant who's familiar with influencer income or a financial advisor or a combination of both. So you're not caught off guard when your income tax bills arrive. And finally, if you are moving through your career and starting to get more paid gigs and more income through influencing, you will want to consider different ways that you can structure your business. Depending on what country you live in, there's going to be different ways that you could do it. So For instance, in Australia, you might have a proprietary limited company or if you're in the US, you might look at an LLC. Again, consulting with an accountant or a properly qualified professional will provide you with the right recommendations. But as you're starting to earn more and more money, it is a very strong recommendation of mine to make sure your influencer business is properly structured and set up. Our next tactic is legal awareness. Many of you will already be turning your minds to the importance of understanding terms and conditions and contracts. Because as an influencer, you're frequently going to have contracts put in front of you for brand collaborations. It might be content syndication, it could be event appearances, it could be, I don't know, appearing on a television show. And it's really important that you understand that these documents set out the terms of your professional relationship. Key terms that you need to be able to understand are the deliverables. So what are you expected to produce? Your compensation that is how and when you'll be paid, any exclusivity clauses, so restrictions on working with competing brands, intellectual property rights. So who owns the content once it's created? And there's going to be some other things in there like publication and distribution rights, which is very important for you to be aware of. Red flags you need to think about when you're looking at a contract. Be aware of any overly restrictive clauses. For example, some contracts might stipulate that the brand will own any content that you produce forever. And this means it will limit your ability to use or repurpose that content at all in the future. Look out for in perpetuity clauses and in perpetuity means forever or any vague terms that clearly don't define your obligations or the obligations of the brand. 
with your legal awareness, you need to be able to negotiate as well. It's not uncommon to negotiate terms in a contract. Please don't blindly sign a contract or terms that have been presented to you because you are so excited to work with the brand. If something feels unfair or not right or doesn't align with your values, it's okay to discuss it and ask for it to be changed. Contracts are there to protect both parties and the negotiation process is something that is common when engaging an influencer or content creator to perform work for you. Some contracts that we enter into could take weeks or even months to negotiate. The negotiation process is just a given part of that relationship that you have with a brand. So don't be afraid to ask the brand if you want something to be reworded or reframed to better suit the intention of that relationship. While having a basic understanding of contracts is essential, the intricacies of legal jargon can be very confusing. When you are dealing with high value or even medium value contracts or long-term contracts, say if you're locking into a brand for three months, six months, 12 months, or there's some reasonable compensation money attached to this contract, please have a legal professional look over the contract for you. Only a lawyer can properly give advice on legal terms associated with a contract. Your agent or talent manager is going to be in a strong position to negotiate and really give some sound advice on it, but nothing beats properly qualified legal advice. And just as I said earlier with financial advice, it's best to consult with legal professionals familiar with the influencer industry. They understand the unique challenges and nuances of this space. Now, if you listen back quite some time ago, it was one of my early episodes, I gave you a little story time about me and how I got into this space. But if you don't know, I co-own a social media and intellectual property law firm. And it's really what set me on the pathway to working with celebrities and influencers because I understood the value of negotiating contracts and the value of maintaining and commercialising rights in your intellectual property. Too often we've seen people come to us to undo a contract that they signed blindly in the excitement of securing a deal and it left them with devastating circumstances. So as you move through your career and get higher value contracts, please go to a properly qualified professional. Don't ask the internet for legal advice. You need to have specialised advice. So proactive protection, rather than wait for a dispute to arise if something's gone awry, having a proactive approach to negotiating your contracts, having a really good and open dialogue with the brand if you're doing it yourself or having a good and open dialogue with your lawyer who's guiding you through that process is really important. Be proactive in managing the protection of the content that you create. Document everything as well. It's a good habit to have to document your professional exchanges. So even if an agreement is made casually over email or messaging, DMs, keep a record of the conversations, take a screenshot, add them to Trello for a campaign card or however you manage your campaigns, keep a record. That way if something goes wrong, you can quickly go back to the discussions and understand how you can assert your rights. Let's go into tactic number seven now, which is negotiation skills. Do your homework. Before entering into any negotiation, research is crucial. 
understand the brand that you're negotiating with, their past collaborations, and the general market rate for similar collaborations. If you haven't already done so, I step you through this in episode two, Pricing Your Influencer Campaign, and I give you my pricing framework, and that's going to set you up for success in negotiation. You also need to be flexible when you're negotiating a contract. It's all about give and take. Both parties need to have a win. So be flexible on things that aren't so important and then give a little bit more in order to get something back from the brand. Be flexible. Understand the total value of the campaign. Sometimes there's value or non-monetary benefits that can be added into that negotiation to help you build your portfolio. It could be exposure to a new audience, high quality content or brand association for your portfolio or networking opportunities. Now, I'm not a fan of giving away content for free. I almost never uh, recommend free content. But in that negotiation piece, if you're getting paid for some certain content, that's when you can look at the bigger picture of the opportunity and see where you can be flexible and give and take so you can really maximize that brand engagement. In the negotiation piece, you need to quantify your value. So it's not just about the follower counts the engagement rates, audience, demographics, content quality and past successful collaborations all play a role. Again, I speak about that in great detail in episode two, Pricing Your Influencer Campaign. I'll link it to the show notes. And please don't underestimate the soft skills that you have. And these are things like your professionalism, your reliability, your creativity, Brands aren't just paying for a post. They are wanting a hassle-free and successful collaboration. Someone that I've worked with is a true joy to work with. And when I get on the phone with brands and I speak about this person, I can say, when you work with this person, she is a joy. She is reliable. She will give more than what you ask for her on this campaign shoot. She's going to deliver more content than what she's asked to deliver. You're going to be blown away with the experience of working with her. She won't be late. She's reliable. And for me to be able to say that about a creator, I'm 50% where I need to be in closing that deal because already I've told the brand is this is going to be easy for you. This person is going to deliver above and beyond what you want. So don't underestimate how important those skills are. It really comes into play with your negotiation tactics. And when negotiating, be transparent. If a brand's offer is below your expectations, just explain why. It's okay to negotiate or say no. Perhaps you need to provide some context about the effort and resources that go into creating the content and building and maintaining an engaged audience. If you're working with a a brand that's not experienced in influencer marketing or you might simply just need to assert your position and say, look, you know, I really want to be able to work with you. My rate for this is X. Can we meet somewhere around that? So you hold your ground. You can say no if the price isn't right. If the price isn't right and you decide not to work with the brand, that's okay. Finish your communication with them by saying, Thanks for the opportunity to work with you. I'm sorry it didn't work out this time, but please keep me in mind for future opportunities. No hard feelings. Let's all just move on. Developing your negotiating skills does take practice. 
It's something that you build over time and with experience. To help you build this experience too, we'll dedicate a whole episode soon on developing your negotiation skills. For now, we're going to move on to tactic number eight, which is securing brand collaborations. Be active. Don't wait for brands to come to you. Reach out proactively with that beautiful media kit that you've created, that beautiful brand identity that you've now developed, those professional communication skills that you have. Showcase your media kit and propose collaboration ideas. It might not always land at the right time, but who knows, it may just. Build your portfolio. Keep posting that beautiful, high-quality content that shows brands the quality of work that you're capable of. Use professional platforms like LinkedIn as a way to connect with brand managers and marketing professionals. Look up the brand that you want to work with on LinkedIn and see who's working in a local office that might be in activations or promotions or social media. Find out who the right person is and message them. Be proactive. Look at collaboration platforms. In a recent episode, How Do Brands Choose Influencers, we spoke about influencer platforms or marketplaces. And that's a spot where you can start building your portfolio and also potentially a spot that brands are going to be scouting for influencers for campaigns. And in that same episode, we spoke about other tactics, but also networking. And it was interesting that Kylie Green from the Lime Agency, a highly experienced talent manager with a really boutique premium agency, spoke about the value of networking in her episode as well. Uh, So look out for opportunities to network at events uh, with brands so they can connect with you in person and connect that personality that you have offline to your online persona. When you're wanting to secure brand collaborations, clearly communicate what you can offer to the brand, whether it's reach, a unique engagement strategy or a particular audience demographic. Be clear in that communication. And timely communication, sticking to deadlines and delivering as promised can lead to long-term partnerships, so repeat opportunities, as well as referrals into other brands. Tactic number nine is mental well-being. It seems appropriate that we slip it in here now after we've just spoken about brand collaborations, because it's so easy for us to compare ourselves with other influencers when we see them pumping out brand deals or maybe going on a holiday or having some piece of content go viral. It's really important to remember that social media is a highlight reel and every influencer and content creator, even the very top ones, face challenges, rejections and failures. So stay grounded, don't fall into the comparison trap and use a few tactics to make sure that you foster a positive mental well-being. Do things like take a digital detox, even if it's for just a couple of hours, longer if possible, but make sure you put some digital detox time into your days or weeks constantly. Foster those offline relationships, not just in the business sense, but hang out with friends, go to an event, spend time with family or loved ones. These connections ground us and they are so important to provide a safe space away from the pressure of constant content creation. Set yourself some realistic expectations. Don't set the bar too high. Keep realistic expectations for your business 
in that planning space and go back and review and manage your goals and objectives in that planning phase that we speak about. Have some holistic self-care. Invest time in hobbies, your physical health, maybe meditate, find something that's just for you and is away from creating content. These things, again, are so important for just stepping away and you'll find that when you do that, that spark of creativity will come back. And if things are getting just a little bit too much, it's totally okay to seek professional support. There's no shame in reaching out for help. That might be speaking to other creators or influencers. It might be joining a support group. Maybe it might be a counsellor. Who knows? But sometimes just having an external perspective can offer clarity for you. Influencers are often working in isolation. So make sure that you have a good support system around you because this can really be a game changer. Remember, it's okay to step back, breathe and recalibrate whenever you need to. Your audience, the brands that you work with, and most importantly, you deserve the best version of yourself. Tactic number 10 is a diversification across the platforms. I've spoken about this previously and that is creators constantly battling algorithms that is crushing their reach and their engagement. Each social media platform has a unique audience demographic and content preference. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, they all have different content styles. Understand and tailor your content accordingly for that platform as we discussed back in the content strategy. But also have a multi-platform presence. Build resilience against platform and algorithm changes. These platforms, these social media platforms are constantly evolving and the algorithms are changing. If one platform reduces your content's visibility, having a presence on multiple platforms can help ensure your content still reaches audiences. It also has cross-promotion benefits so you can direct your followers from one platform to another. So you might be able to tease a YouTube video on your Instagram stories or share behind the scenes clips from your blog or photo shoots on Instagram. Cross-platform diversification also provides you with cross-sell or upsell opportunities. That is ways to upsell your influencer campaign and generate more money from brands by delivering content across more than one platform. We've discussed this in length in episode three, 50 ways to upsell your influencer campaign. So I'll link that in the show notes. Do have a listen to that episode. It's one of our most popular episodes. My most important tip here in the diversification tactic is invest in a website. Have at least one channel that allows you to control your brand message and content. It is so important. I'm referencing a lot of previous episodes in today's episode simply because we've explored that theme in much greater depth. And having a website we've discussed across multiple episodes in this podcast series. It's really important that a brand can check you out and your tone of voice and your resources, download your media kit, contact you, understand where you're based, have all of these things, all these beautiful assets. Even if it's a static website that's not regularly updated, but maintain a website presence. There's lots of other benefits. That is, you can build a subscriber base 
that you can then use to push your content to to increase visibility of your social media content or have them purchase your new product whatever it is but please do consider investing in a website it can be very low entry and they're pretty easy to put together now and that is my strongest tip for you in your diversification strategy not all platforms are going to work for your niche and style it's okay to experiment look at the engagement and then prioritize the platforms accordingly it is near impossible unless you have a content team to maintain content across all of the platforms pick a couple of primary platforms and focus on those. And then if you drip feed content out to the others simply to maintain a presence, that's okay. But please do not try to burn yourself out by publishing content on every single platform. It simply doesn't work. Here's my bonus tip, number 11. Next to maintaining the website, this is probably one of the things that I would consider to be the most important tactic for you and that is balancing your time between the business side of your work and the creative side of your work. Having dedicated time blocks so that might be specific days or hours to manage the business tasks that you have for your career or running your business of influence. So that's like your financial management, your content planning, maybe reviewing contracts, updating your media kit. It really helps compartmentalize running your business and having focus on getting these tasks done. I understand that a lot of creators are creative and they don't enjoy this aspect of running their business. Now, you might have a trusted person that you can engage to do that or a professional you can outsource this work to. But regardless of where you're at in your career, you should still have some oversight of the business side of your business. And similarly, have dedicated time for your content creation and doing the things that you love, you know, creating the content producing the content, engaging with your audience, staying up to date with trends and balancing the time between the creative side and the business sides. Make sure that you can still nurture all your creative talents without business distractions. So set aside time monthly or quarterly to review your balance and how you're going with the business side of things and the creative side of things. Are you spending too much time on creative and not enough time on business or vice versa? Are you neglecting important business tasks or maybe the other way you might be feeling a creative block? So take time to check in on your business and look at where you're at. Celebrate wins and achievements as an influencer or a creator Use this to set new milestones and assess what you can improve or perhaps even stop doing. Regular check-ins help you recalibrate and measure your efforts against your goals. But to truly build a business of influence that is building a career as a successful full-time influencer, you need to be balancing time between the business side of things and the creative side of things. If you can, seek mentorship, get a mentor, join a community of other influencers that are mindfully sharing strategies and techniques to improve their engagement and their content and their creativity, but also look at the business side of things. I'm going to suggest here that you join the Moots Facebook group to connect and learn, I will link that Facebook group in our show notes. Let's wrap up our learning from today. Whether you choose to self-represent or maybe you're just not quite ready for a talent manager or even if you do have representation, 
All of the tactics that we've discussed in today's episode are really important for you to build and maintain your career as a professional influencer. I've run businesses for a very long time now. So when I put this to you as being important, these are things that I do in my own business to make sure that my business is sustainable. Content creation and doing those fantastic things that you do for your audience will set you on the pathway to being a professional influencer. But managing that pull between business and creative tasks effectively is what is going to make your career grow and your income be sustainable. So there you have it. 10 tactics, 11 with the bonus tactics for you to consider in building your business of influence. Next week, I hope you will join us for podcasting for influencers with Brianna and Soldo of Bambi Media. Bambi have an incredible portfolio of established and emerging podcasts. And I was really excited to speak with Brianna. You will find the joy that comes through in Brianna's voice when she speaks about podcasting. And we're lucky to have her share her expertise with us. In the meantime, you can access all of the resources that we've spoken about today and the show notes from today's episode at thebusinessofinfluence.com forward slash EP10. That's thebusinessofinfluence.com forward slash EP10. Until next time, stay creative.